This episode is brought to you by New Balance. You don't have to be an elite athlete when you pound the pavement. Whether you've run five marathons or you only run when necessary, whether you're chased by bears, zombies, monsters, the apocalypse is coming. But New Balance will have you covered regardless. Whether you need shoes for comfort, stability, or race day speed, they've got you covered. Because the only right way to run is your way. New Balance. Run your way. Visit newbalance.com slash running to learn more. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Go, my favorite sports team. The only podcast you'll ever need to know about what Travis Kelsey is doing in his day-to-day life. We are a 100% Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey uh, thing, right? (laughs) Drama report or... Drama report? Yep. Gossip center. Yeah, something like that, right? No, no, not at all. In fact, we haven't talked about that in so many so many times. In fact, for the first time since Taylor Swift started attending games, uh the Chiefs have lost with Taylor Swift in attendance. Oh no. The magic is gone. They lost to the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau oh, Field. Man, that is so sad for them. I can't believe it. I know. The luck is gone. Taylor Swift's unlucky now. It's going to spell the end of everything for them. Oh well. Sad, sad. Anyway, Mark, how are you? We haven't seen you for a bit. Um, we had a nice, nice episode last week where we uh, we had a send off for for Will, the editor, who is uh, unfortunately no longer with us uh, as far as the podcast goes. They're still alive. They're on to other endeavors, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're fine. They're fine. Yeah. So basically I was busy with another sprint of, you know, the movie stuff and yada, yada, but I have another gripe today. Oh, cause I was just on the phone with customer service and that was, uh, that's never a good thing when you have to be on the phone with customer service. Um, I was getting, uh, Marcus and Rachel new MacBooks, right? Cause, um, oh, you know, editors yeah. and stuff, stuff like that. So one of them made it, the other didn't. The other got rerouted to uh, Pennsylvania. They're what? For everyone out there, they're not in Pennsylvania. Wow, you're doxing them. Yeah, I totally am. Um, so I had to be on the phone, and I was on the phone with uh, DHL, and I was talking to them like, yeah, uh, can I, like, I'll give you this number that they were looking for. It's a 10-digit number that they were looking for. And I was they were like, yeah, it got delivered to Pennsylvania, right? And I'm like, nope, that is not right. 
Uh, and so they didn't know what to do. And then there was another number that you can put into DHL's website that I'm like, do you want that number? And we're like, we don't know that number. And I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> I go to DHL.com and I put in this longer number and it works just fine. And they're like, we don't, we don't, I've never seen any number that long in my life. The person working there, I'm like, what do you mean? It's, it works. Can you at least take the number and then reference it for later? And they're like, no, we can't do that. We only take 10 digit numbers here. And I'm like, what do you mean? It works. I try it. Anyway. So yeah, I was doing that. Uh, cause I haven't had a package that went to the wrong place in years. Cause I order a ton of stuff online. Um, not exclusively just pure laptops, but yeah, no, this was one that definitely, uh, needed to go there and didn't. Anyway, that's, that's my complaints at the moment. Fun. So, so you're really, you're really on the, uh, the map of navigating, uh, you know, deliveries and climbs and journeys, right? Yep. That's, that's what I want to do with my life all the time. That'd be great. Yeah. That's where your mind's at. That's where your mind's at. Well, that fits really well into today. Does it? Yes. Uh, cause, cause today's topic before, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to give you time to do jacuzzes if you have those prepared, but we're going to be talking about mountaineering. Uh, I did, but they're not working for some reason. Every time I try to open one of the, oh, well, there we go. Now it's, now it's working. How far back do we want to go jacuzzi? Because I got jacuzzi from two weeks ago. You can go as far back as you see fit. All right. From Jeremy, the mechanic guy, Tyler should not do math. <laughs> During the F1 primer, Mark did several mathematical <laughs> comparisons between the speed of living things in an F1 car. He did the same comparisons between the cost of food and the cost of an F1 car. The, when Mark took the cost of an F1 car and compared it how many days one person could live off of rice, the number came out to 232 billion days. It was at this moment that I thought Tyler was going to say something so smart that Mark's head would explode, but in reality, Tyler rolled it a one for intelligence <laughs> and said that 230 billion days is like your life. That was a joke! <laughs> so I decided to divide 232 billion by 365, and that equates to 635,616,438 years. So Tyler, it is in fact more than one person's entire lifetime. I thought you had to do complicated math to get your master's degree. I think that everyone in the sports community should ride in front of your house till you rescind your master's degree. For future reference, just leave the mathematics to Mark, as he is much more elegant with math calculations than you. So I knew it was way longer than one person's lifespan, but for equating it to just a general sense and for comedic relief, I was like, yeah, that's like your life. <laughs> no, no, you're a fool. You're a fool and you should feel a fool. All right. We got Convenant uh, saying, how dare you both make fun of candied yams or as they're better known, sweet potatoes? Well, OK. OK, candied yams and sweet they're yeah, they're different things. <laughs> you may think that candied yams are sweet potatoes, but candy yams are a cooked final dish. Sweet potatoes are the common name for yams in general, but sweet potatoes are, I think sweet potatoes are a specific type, and it's either vice versa, but that's the raw vegetable. Um, I love sweet potatoes so much, I take them last after making sure everyone got one, then eat the whole dish. You have insulted the sweet tooths of the world. Uh, so 
number one, no, and number two, you're wrong, and number two, <laughs> ew, uh, uh, we both know, all of us know, everyone out there knows, sweet potatoes are the inferior potato. Okay, I like sweet potatoes. I will say I like sweet potatoes, but why would you prepare them by putting marshmallows and all this canned, like, sugar and nastiness on top of it? Well, okay, that's not nasty. To me, to me it is. I don't find it tasty at all. I will say that it is nasty in my opinion but it to me you're ruining the sweet potato like the sweet potato by itself solid but mm -hmm. why are you putting all this candy like brown sugar marshmallows all, ugh, it's just mm, not for me okay all right well you heard it here first we both hate sweet potatoes so there you go i'm just i'm just gonna let you move on <laughs> <laughs> no, I will not move on. All right, let's see what else we got. White Knight 97 said, too much bass. Mark, I'm calling you out specifically. I give nary a fuck that you said that people cannot jacuse you. I'm doing that very thing right now. When I listen to this podcast or Distractable, I am always listening to it in the car on my way to work. And whatever I am doing that, specifically when I'm listening to GMFST, whenever you speak, my car goes ape shit. I just so happen to have some very powerful subwoofers in my car car and whenever you speak they go boom and my entire car reverberates with the bass of your voice now i myself also have a bass voice and i understand that having a deeper voice is very cool but you can at least move away from the microphone a little bit love the podcast love what you do p.s hi tyler i don't know if you understand this but you might have your bass cranked up a little too high and listen, this is very bold of me to say, but I say it all the time with people's microphones that they have that you are in control of the way that sound comes through. I cannot change my voice. I can't do it. There's nothing that I can do that will impact your experience of how my voice comes through. It's not necessarily that my voice is all that deep. I have a deeper voice, but my voice has resonances in lower registers beyond what n normally comes out because everyone's voice is a, is a stacked grouping of frequencies that create your voice. And what I don't do is I don't do a bass cutoff on my microphone. So it's because I have lower resonances. So I don't do it. And I'm not going to stop doing it. If I, I don't even think this mic has a built-in bass roll-off. I did change microphones recently because this one has built-in effects that are very nice. Um, but I don't think that I have... Oh, wait. Mate, nope. I'm changing things. Ah, I, I do. Got a high pass. No, nah, I'm not going to change it. I don't change anything for you. See, you're 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 talking about how you can do stuff with technology. I was just gonna be like, hey, Mark, we should just go as deep as both of our voices can possibly go. Well, see, that's the thing is when you go deeper into your your voice, what it what it is is yes, the vocal cord is vibrating at a slightly yeah. slower speech, but you still have the upper resonances. It is it is a is changing the amounts of resonances that go because the resonance of your voice is more dependent on the physical structure of your skull. So even if I were to go as deep as I could possibly go, there are still not that much more on the actual lower ends because even what you're hearing is not in the sub-bass range. You'd have to go... You know, like elephants, right? Yeah. So this is actually this is actually true. Uh, when you get below a hundred, like I think elephants communicate on like the the sub one hundred 
like sub woofer, like bass level. They they shake the ground. And so what that is, is, is in sound, these are oscillations per second, right? So the sound wave itself is just that. It's a big, big sound wave. And I don't have much more below 50, say. But again, that's how I know the conclusion is, it's your car. I don't, I'm, I'm not trying to be antagonistic about this. I don't actually know the situation. I am. I just want I want to blow, blow out their speakers. <laughs> you said you had very powerful subwoofers in your car. So, uh... That's on you. That's not me. Maybe you need to roll back on the bass on your settings. I could, but I don't think I literally. No, I was talking to them, not you. Oh, you're totally. <laughs> yeah, them. Because this is the mic I was using, and it's a very good mic. It's, uh, but for the what I'm trying to do on, like, say, live streams, it's so much easier to have a consistent level of effects in the microphone for anything because then it doesn't matter if i record or stream it's always the same is that the is that the microphone you were holding that one time the yes yes it is anyway that's it so i guess i guess we begin the journey of this mountaineering primer here when you hear the word mountaineering what do you think of mountains okay earrings like earrings like like that you yeah not engineering why that's it's spelled like engineering nearing at the end not at all well, we had an entire primer about competitive climbing. We've interviewed Alex Honnold. There's no way we're we're talking about climbing again, right? Like that's I, that's maybe. not possible. Yes, no, I don't know. You're the one that comes up with the things. Why would I know? Competitive climbing focused on the aspect of rock climbing competitions, which is scaling artificial climbing walls uh, crafted okay. just for these events. Okay. So where's where's the natural environment? Where where's the the landscape of the world? Where's the side of the actual mountain? Where's the danger? You know, there are so many safety precautions. Is this a literal question or is this rhetorical? Because I would then say the answer is mountains. No, I don't know. Underwater. Where is it? I don't know. In a volcano. It's rhetorical. It's rhetorical. <laughs> okay, that's what I thought. That's where mountaineering comes in. The journey of traversing rough terrain navigating your way up a mountain climbing uh-huh. icy landscapes snowy landscapes the natural terrain of trees getting above the tree line and finding your way to the pinnacle the top of the world in mount everest uh-huh. we're embarking on this journey it's mountain climbing it's ice climbing it's navigating a map and terrain that most other people have not been able to navigate it's a journey through the wild okay I'm captivated. I'm in. I'm 100% all in all the time. Mountaineering is sort of an umbrella uh, term for ice climbing, expedition mountaineering, and alpine climbing. Um, These different types of uh, mountaineering are usually used interchangeably. However, the differences are that uh, expedition mountaineering is when a team of explorers climb mountains in a remote area and sometimes for long periods of time. Uh, of time. Alpine climbing is all about reaching the peak of a mountain and is often a much shorter journey than mountaineering. Mountaineering is like navigating a lot more terrain, whereas alpine is like just your goal is just get to the top. Okay. It can still take one more than one day to reach the top, depending on what you're climbing. And then ice climbing is usually something that's conducted in the midst of doing these types of navigations. It's where you're actually climbing Instead of rock surfaces, surfaces made of ice from runoff water that has frozen. Glaciers? And yeah, glaciers is a part of that too. Uh, Okay. I went in a glacier. Really? Yeah, in Iceland. They have like the only glacier that you can actually go inside. It's very nice. It's, It's super cool. I liked it a lot. Someday, I hope. 
to be able to be inside a glacier myself. Oh, really? Is that sarcastic? The slow-moving snail of water in solid form. That actually is a fascinating thing that they were saying about it, is like the glacier itself needs constant maintenance, because even year to year, the, the ice moves. It just moves on such a scale that you can't see it day to day. But in all honesty, over the years, during COVID, they had a room in there that it was big enough to have a projector screen and have movie nights in there, and they would have like some like events thrown in there. Um, and in the three years that, you know, they weren't doing tourism because of COVID, it shrank. And we went in there and you can, before it was like big enough to have a full projector screen and hundred people in there. Now it's like at, as big of two of my offices, maybe three, and then you could touch the ceiling. Like that's oh, how wow. much it moved. And it just does move because it's just ice and it's water and it's it's shifting and melting and the pressure of all the weight of it is sliding across the mountain. Um, and it's just like, yeah, these things are basically living geological landscapes, not living like that, but they move. That's uh, apparently how the Great Lakes were formed in the United States was a giant glacier pushing down and then melting away and filling the lakes. So, yeah, I believe it. This episode is brought to you by New Balance. You don't have to be an elite athlete when you pound the pavement. Whether you've run five marathons or you only run when necessary, whether you're chased by bears, zombies, monsters, the apocalypse is coming. But New Balance will have you covered regardless. Whether you need shoes for comfort, stability, or race day speed, they've got you covered. Because the only right way to run is your way. New Balance. Run your way. Visit newbalance.com slash running to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Rocket Money. You know, all those subscription websites, they just hide those charges from you. They're hidden and repetitive and you forget about them. Oh, I know exactly which websites you're talking about. The ones that you like to go to. You do? I've literally spent so long digging through my finances. Rocket Money can help cancel your subscriptions. You're saying Rocket Money is a personal finance app that helps and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so you can grow grow your savings? Absolutely, yes. With Rocket Money, I have full control over my subscriptions and a clear view of my expenses? Uh-huh, yeah. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate lower bills for me? Up to 20%? Maybe. But for our listeners, definitely yes. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash sportsteam. That's R-O-C-K-E-T-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash S-P-O-R-T-S-T-E-A-M. That's rocketmoney.com slash sports team. Basically, adventure is the greatest way to sum up this particular sport. Um, it's it's uh, very little wild nature left in the world that's not at the bottom of the ocean, but this is a way for people to go on expedition, expeditions and get far away from the hustle bustle of civilization and experience the world how it naturally was before we started building roads and building up things for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Basically, it'll be you, a couple of friends, hopefully a guide if you're not experienced in it, and about 29,000 feet of rock, ice, and snow, and trees. Mm -hmm. What is the storied history of mountain climbing? <laughs> Act one! Is if this is the Romans, I swear. <laughs> is it the Romans? You better not say Rome. Humans have been climbing mountains for various reasons since before we were even humans. Oh, I see. Okay. Millions of years ago, our tree-dwelling ancestors evolved and adapted with a changing planet as tectonic plates shifted. The landscape of the earth changed, demolishing the forests until our 
ancestors came down from the trees and ventured out using their climbing abilities to scale then newly formed mountains and cliffs. Obviously, it didn't suddenly happen. It took millions and millions of years for all of this to happen and a millennia of evolution. But there is archaeological evidence of people climbing mountains peppered throughout human history with cave paintings, burial sites, ruins of dwellings, people actually frozen in ice in the mountains, Mm -hmm. um, all located in places where you would need to journey up mountains to reach. Neanderthals, uh, a lot of Neanderthal evidence has been found in frozen ice caps at tops of mountains. It's actually really fascinating. Cool, cool. But modern mountaineering has its beginnings dating to the early 1700s when humans began to climb for fun. Not for survival, not for traversing landscape, because they could. In 1760, scientist Horace Benedict de Saussure saw Mont Blanc in France and decided that he or someone else must reach its peak. Must, must, absolutely must. Mont Blanc is the highest peak in Europe, and he ended up offering prize money for the first person to reach the top. It took 25 years before somebody was able to claim that prize. When Uh Dr. Michael Gabrielle Packard reached the summit in 1786. Mm -hmm. So Sir climbed to the peak a year later, and by the 1850s, mountaineering was established as a sport, with guides being published and groups of Swiss, British, Italian, and French climbers scaling that mountain and other mountains across Europe time and time again. By the 1870s, climbers had conquered peaks of Europe and began looking for new mountains. Soon, the Rocky Mountains in the United States, uh, Margarita Peak in Eastern Africa, and eventually Mount Everest in the Uh Himalayas. A hundred years climbing grew steadily in popularity. And in the 1950s, mountaineers started reaching the peaks of the world's tallest mountains. On May 29th, 1953, Sherpa Tenzing, Norgay, and a New Zealand beekeeper named Enbund Hillary became the first people to reach the highest point in the world of Mount Everest. Well, that's good. While there have been a lot of advancements in climbing since the 1700s, the climbing gear is actually pretty much the same, just made with stronger materials and slight design differences. Um, But unlike most sports, there's not really a set of rules or a governing body that talks about techniques or best practices on how to do it. It's a sport that's governed by simple knowledge of climbing techniques and, and the common knowledge of best practices that have improved over time. Do you know if it really was those people that got to Everest first or they had guides? They were Sherpas then too, right? I believe so, but I don't know if it's possible. Yeah, I think I think history recognizes them as the first to do it. But do you think that maybe the people that, you know, live there and now make a living guiding people up there and who I just saw a documentary of someone from is in Nepal? Probably. Yeah, someone from there, they put them in a a hypobaric chamber, which is like a low pressure chamber, and they simulated the elevation and everyone else, you know, who wasn't acclimated to it, not even acclimation, but just like if you just live in that environment of low atmosphere, um, this guy, no breathing gear, went up to the simulated elevation of Mount Everest and further up and was fine. 
was able to breathe, was not getting hypoxic, was not losing oxygen, the blood didn't pass out, uh, was totally coherent for like 30 minutes straight, and it didn't seem like there were any signs that he was losing uh, his ability uh, to function his brain. Um, so I'm curious if someone before these people did not go up there that maybe is from this region. But maybe not. Maybe I'm just making wild conjecture. I have no idea. The, the thing is, that that's a reality. It's because recorded history is not necessarily the full history, right? And who yeah, we yeah. think was necessarily first doesn't mean they were actually the first. It's the first that we know of. Yeah, yeah. I, it's it's all predicated on if they chose to go to that level because they naturally live at higher elevation. That That's why they were the guides and the Sherpas and everything in that area was just they were they know the area. They know the terrain. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't be surprised if they clearly had made it to the top. But I don't think there's any evidence that would say like, I guess I would describe this as maybe the first people that set out to go from the very bottom that weren't from that region to go to the very top. As opposed to people who just lived in the region who, oh, it's like, oh, just go up here and maybe they reach the top without meaning to reach the top or something. But. <laughs> I, I think they would know. The thing about like what you were saying about human nature is like, I wonder if someone, there must have been anyone in human history look at that mountain and go like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go, like just I'm going to go. Yeah, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if... Uh, like before we were the developed humans that we are now, if other, like our predecessors had made it up there multiple times just because mm -hmm. it was there and they were like, oh, I want to see what that is. Or maybe being like, oh, maybe I can reach the gods, you know, kind of thing. So, but Mark, mm -hmm. it's time to mountain climb. Act two. All right. You know, in past episodes, yeah, baby Mark had it easy. Baby Mark would just have to deal with building things and going down speedy slopes and dealing with other humans. No, no, this time you face a titan. <sighs> yeah. One that is very much unobtainable by a lot of people reaching the highest peak in the world, Mount Everest. Okay. Are you ready, Baby Mark? So Baby Mark is going up to Mount Everest. Yep, 29,032 feet. Yeah, okay, all right. The highest um, point on Earth. Okay. Okay. So it's about 357 trillion pounds of rock covered in ice, snow, and glaciers. Icy walls with valleys of deep snow below. Jagged ridges along the top of the summit. Sometimes giant crevices that shift and come out of nowhere and change as the glacial ice moves. So if you step in the wrong spot, you fall to your doom. You'll need to traverse all of this to get to the top, baby Mark. Okay. The length of the trail you'll be following is just under 43 miles long. Okay. You'll be climbing parts of it multiple times while you're acclimating to the elevation. You got to train. Uh -huh, you got to get okay. acclimated to the hypoxic environment and the lower pressure. All right. So, uh, Sam, because Will is now departed, I want you to do something for me. Give me some wind, like just some cold, bitter wind. Now add in uh, the sounds of like trees stretching and groaning. I know it's not, it's up in the mountains, there shouldn't be, but it, I think it adds to the environment. Okay, trees stretching and groaning, like really slow, deep creaks of wood and stuff like that. Now add another layer of wind to really like cut through like every once in a while, like <laughs> And then put in like, if, if there's a sound that has any kind of snowfall in it, I don't really think that that's really much of a sound, but just like make it feel like snow. Okay, cool. All right, now put a very soft crying baby. Really far, really low, just off in the distance. And I just want to hear this for a bit. That's sad. That's what you did, Tyler. I want you to think about that. That's what you did. No, no. This is these these are the, the gods of mountaineering. <laughs> Coming what? down 
They're waiting for you at the top of the mountain. You must worship the gods of the mountains. The one thing I know about all these gods of different sports is that they hate babies. They really <laughs> hate babies. That's that's all I got to say about that. They they despise babies. So, baby Mark, you're going to be on the mountain for roughly two months at least. Mm -hmm. um, you'll need to bring a lot of gear, everything you need to survive for a long time in the wilderness. Medical supplies. Um, you know, possibly even more important, a way to entertain yourself. So make sure you bring your binky. Um, yeah, that's going to be all the entertainment <laughs> I need, buddy. Yeah, there's a lot of time on the mountain. You got your climbing equipment. You know, you got to have your climbing gloves, warm but grippy. You got to have your spiky ice boots, uh, sturdy hikey boots, um, carabiners, lots and lots of rope and uh, and a helmet. And things to keep you warm, like hand warmers. They'll bring hand warmers, stuff like that. You got camping gear, um, specifically made for snowy terrain. So you want those mummy bags that are like built to deal with like negative 50 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh-huh. A nice tent that uh and long stakes, because you want to make sure that tent's not gonna get blown off the mountain with you in it, because those winds get really, really crazy. Kind of limited by my ability to No, know, no, you, you're gonna have a team with you, you know, they're gonna help in. you carry stuff. Oh, okay. Warm clothes, you know, thermal socks, underwear. I pay people to carry me up the mountain. I'm a very rich baby. That's 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 very adverse to what you've told all of your life on YouTube about how poor you grew up. Uh, and then you'll need your oxygen tank. You know, because uh, the final leg of your climb will be above 26,000 feet, which is so high that you'll likely die without oxygen. Wait. You'll need uh, four or five tanks um, just to be on the safe side and uh, better safe than sorry because you never know if a nozzle will break or you'll lose one or, you know, things will happen and we don't want you to suffocate up there. Yeah, that'd be the worst. And don't forget your crampons, um, which are the devices you attach to your boots for traction and an ice axe for the ice climbing portion because uh, you'll have to scale some ice walls. Yeah, you're right. Crampons on their spiky things that dig in like the spiky the sharp things. Also, be careful with them. I know what crampons are. I wore them in the glacier. Oh, good, good. But don't hit your own leg with them because you'll cut your leg open. And if you don't want a rope, you could free solo it, but I don't recommend free solo ice climbing. All right. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Before you can even attempt to scale Mount Everest, you have to prove that you have high altitude climbing experience, uh -huh. have documentation from a medical professional that you're healthy and fit enough for the trek, and you'll need a climbing permit uh, given out by the government of Nepal. It's about $11,000 for a permit to climb, oh but it helps to keep the mountain free from garbage left behind by uh, other adventurers by having that steep price on it. Right, right, yeah. In order to get 
uh, approved for this, they actually test your VO2 max, um, which is your your ability. It, it's the big, like highest determinant for physical fitness uh, when it comes to oxygen consumption, keeping a higher oxygen level in your blood as you continue to exercise. And so they'll test that when you they're testing your physical fitness. Okay, good, good, good to hear, good to hear. You do have the option to try and climb without a permit, but uh, the permit is how Nepal knows that you're on the mountain. So if something were to happen, they could come to your aid. And um, they don't send help to trespassers. Yeah, of course not. Why would they? And a mountain that uses the corpses of falls climbers as trail markers, uh, you probably want someone with you that knows the mountain. Yeah. So you should register. Okay. Yeah, that's not a joke. There are over 200 bodies uh, still on mountain. I wasn't taking it as a joke. Okay. There's going to be 200 bodies in one baby. After this, there's a climber known as Green Boots, who's an unidentified climber who died in 1996 wearing neon green boots. And you do have to require a Sherpa as a guide. It's required by law. That seems fair, you know, to be perfectly honest. Now that we have all of that there, uh, you meet your fellow climbers and you start your track at the base camp up to the base camp at 17,700 feet to begin your climb. Yeah, that's just the beginning. Once you arrive, there's a hub of activity. Several tents filled with people from around the globe. You'll be able to converse with people from all over the world. Talk to other climbers. But you'll stay there for around five days as you acclimate to that altitude. And this is the time where you make new friends, you know? Uh-huh. And make sure that your uh, mentally uh, uh, fortitude is, is there so you don't have a mental breakdown somewhere dangerous. They, they really test you. You know, they'll they'll have the Yeti screams at night to make sure, you know, you're making it and surviving just fine. You know? Why would the Yeti screams ensure that you're making it? Yeah, because they're testing to make sure that you don't have, you know, freak out at that altitude. So if you so then you're used to them. And as you climb, then when it happens, you're, you're not going to freak out at higher altitudes and dangerous situations. All right. Okay. It can take two months or more uh, to complete your adventure. Uh, two months, two months, two months. I have got two months. It's it's okay. You'll go from being a baby to a a, a toddler. Do you know how long babies take to grow? <laughs> <laughs> you're you're an older baby. You're you're bordering the toddler levels. Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> but two months of washing your clothes in icy water. Who washes their clothes? Trying to brush your teeth with frozen toothpaste and quite literally freezing your butt off uh, when you need to go to the bathroom. Ah. Uh-huh. So once you're acclimated, then you you get to begin your climb. Uh, you want to get an early start because ice becomes unstable, increasingly dangerous when the sun rises. So you want it to be colder when you're moving. Uh, if you sleep in, you'll be facing warmed ice that can open into a crevice or collapse entirely while you're walking on it. And while there are some ladders um, that can help you safely climb, you'll uh, you also need to hook onto the permanently installed ropes and ice climb your way up various parts. Once you finish the several hour climb, you'll head to camp one, spend a night or two there, continue on, go to camp two, stay a couple nights, climb to camp three. When you're ready, you know how long it takes to acclimate, uh, you'll finally go to climbing to the summit. Uh huh. Camp one, by the way, is known as the Valley of Silence. It's at 20,000 feet. It's a snow covered valley where you pitch your tent on snow and ice. And as you try to get some sleep, you hear the groaning and shifting of ice. That's all you hear. If you're lucky, you'll have a peaceful night's sleep. If not, a crevice will open up beneath you and swallow you. Sweet dreams. Uh, beneath my tent? Yep. No warning? Just choop, boomp. It can be pretty quick, yeah. A good thing you're a baby, so you know you'll you'll survive in those smaller, tighter crevices, you know. 
Yeah, for a very long time, I bet. Camp Toot is only about 1,100, like 1,500 feet away, but you'll move pretty pretty slowly if you're plowing through snow. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm plowing through snow all the time. I'm a baby, so. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very deep snow. It's like a three to five hour march through snow. Uh, is that all? Whatever. You'll finally reach Camp 2. Uh, you don't want to camp too close to the wall, though. It's, it's, it's known as the wall. Uh, it's at the foot of the Lotse wall, uh, but you don't want to you don't want to be too close to it because avalanches. Oh, of course, I would have thought nothing different. Um, after staying at this camp, you know, for for you know day or two to rest, uh, you climb the icy slope towards Camp Three. Uh, you'll secure yourself to the ropes as you climb for six hours, uh-huh. and it's a steep climb. You have to lean on the ropes uh, to rest a few times. If you reach the top, you set up Camp Three, twenty two thousand three hundred feet where you recover from the climb and prepare your ascent to camp four. Why would you need to recover? It's so uh, simple. Yeah, it's so easy. It's so easy. Um, Camp four, by the way, edge of death. That's what it's called. Oh. Because you're at 26,000 feet. So one of those ironic names? Yeah, you know, it's it's so safe. You know, it's really the edge of life. Yeah, if you think about it. Uh, the air's pretty thin, so you're going to take a while to take uh, to catch your breath. And uh, this is the most likely place to have a, a mental breakdown or an existential crisis where you truly face what you're trying to accomplish. Well, I don't want to follow what everyone else is doing. So give me the least likely place to have a mental crisis and I'll have it there. Uh, um, base camp. Oh, perfect. Yeah, easy. No problem. So uh, but you're you're camped at the very edge of the Earth's breathable atmosphere, which is why it's called the edge of death. This is where you check and make sure your oxygen tanks are functioning properly, uh-huh. because uh, once you cross the threshold on the next hike, it's called the death zone above twenty six thousand feet. Oh, the edge of death and then the death zone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. These are ironic names, right? They're just exaggerated. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's just too thin to breathe above 26,000 feet. Yeah, but in a funny way. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's like, like laughing a... gas. You know, you just. Ah, yeah, man, I can't breathe. Oh. Yeah, I know. And everyone laughs and I laugh and you laugh and the green boots man laughs. Yeah, you know, ha ha. I, I think you're becoming mad if the green boots man laughs. No, it's funny. Yeah. But uh, next is you're, you're almost there. It's only an eight hour climb to the summit. Oh, well, all right. That's nothing then. You got stops briefly to rest and change your oxygen bottle because, you know, you'll run out of them. And it's hours of climbing, darkness, despair, bone chilling cold. But don't worry. It's beautiful. Yeah. As dawn begins to peek over the mountain peak, you're a few hundred feet away from the summit. You reach it. You're exhausted. Yeah. But you've done it. A view of the world few get to see, aside from being in an airplane, but to stand at the pinnacle summit of Mount Everest, you've done it. Okay. You've literally reached the top of the world. Yeah. Absolutely. You're above the clouds. Sun is shining. It's a gorgeous sight. But don't worry. You've done it. But now you have to do it all, all again to go down. Well, oh, I want to point out, you've said don't worry a lot. Mm-hmm. in this episode like pretty much everything you've said has been prefaced with don't worry don't it's it's fine okay it's fine okay everything's well, fine it, it, when i say don't worry i mean um you should really think before you decide to do this uh particular climb yeah but without worry did you know that everest is actually not the most dangerous mountain to climb even though it's a tallest i would bet not probably a big old active volcano would be a slightly more dangerous well yeah but you know k2 has claimed more lives than everest has <sighs> whatever but yeah you made it to the top mark baby mark has achieved the pinnacle of earth but now you just have to climb down it's fine 
Okay. Climbing down so much easier and safer, right? Of course. Well, you're the expert, so I'm asking you, but I feel confident in you saying that, so I believe you. Down climbing is terrifying. When I've done free solos, the scariest part is always the down climb. Okay. And why is that? Because... You know, when you're climbing up, your head is towards your hands and you're going the direction of your head. You can see your holds and your hands touch your holds usually before your feet have to find them as footholds. When you're going down, it's a lot harder to see where your feet go and they're your leads. So trying to find and, you know, a little bit scarier trying to get a foothold when you can't see where your foot goes. Why? Whatever. Just a lot more (laughs) tension on your arms. But yeah, that's that's mountaineering. How do you win, do you think? How do you win? Oh, right, because if this is really going to be a sport, you got to win. Uh, you live. I'm just going to guess if you live, you kind of win by default. I, I would say uh, by this criteria, I would say realizing your accomplishments, your feats, <laughs> overcoming your fears and that's being it. like, I have done it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I might be dead, but I did it. No more fear in me. Even if I died, I overcame it. Yeah. The coolest thing about this is um, mountains are ancient and forever. They'll be there when you come back to climb another day, but they will also ever be changing with erosion from the wind, from the rain, from the snow, from the ice. It's always the same mountain, but the terrain is going to be different. You can climb it time and time again, reach new heights, achieve new views, and discover something new every time you climb. I can't argue with that because more specifically, I don't really know how. Oh, and we never mentioned how when you ice climb, sometimes the ice can just kind of give out and you just fall. So you did. Well, I I took that from, you know, the part where I could be sleeping in a tent and the ice could open up beneath me and swallow me whole. Yeah. So what's what's really fascinating about this is you remember when we talked to Alex on the podcast episode where we had Alex Honnold on? Yeah. Mm -hmm. He went to uh, Antarctica and did some mountaineering stuff. And realized it wasn't for him. I think this kind of paints a picture why that might have been the case. What a bitch. What a pussy. (laughs) What a little baby, am I right? But I wouldn't say that because uh, baby me went there. So, poof. Yeah, he's all about pursuing excellence. Why couldn't he do it, you know? He he wants the 16 and 0 teams. Like, he should should do it. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) No, but uh, I've done some mountaineering. Nothing like any ice climbing um my brother's actually done ice climbing again my brother does everything as you seem to point out all the time uh yeah yeah but uh being able to climb like a mountain that's not necessarily snow covered or anywhere near as tall tall as everest is still really fun just hiking traversing and navigating yeah yeah so mark when are when when do you want to hike a mountain with me oh i'm busy that week good it's not that week it's the it's the other week no oh sorry just forgot busy that week it's a, I'll send you pictures, you know, you know. Oh, cool, man. Good luck. Thanks. It, it'll be fun. Yeah, it will. But that's mountaineering for those of you that uh, were interested. I hope you enjoyed our primer. I hope you enjoyed the intricacies of the climb of Everest. But there are smaller mountains you can climb. There are other places you can navigate. You can find mountains all over, whether it be the Rockies, the Appalachian, or otherwise. The Sierra Nevadas out here in the United States. There's the the Alps, the Andes, and a few other places abroad. I can't think of all of the, the mountain ranges. We mentioned the Himalayas, but... But who really cares about those? Yeah, you know, they're just the tallest mountain range in the world whatever go navigate and explore the world um do it in a safe way don't try and climb mount everest right now that's dumb don't don't do that but uh if you want to see new heights reach new pinnacles and get breathtaking views of sunsets and beyond mountains and trails are all around us even hills you can traverse them and find so many cool things Mm. 
If you want to buy merch, store.gmfsd.com. Mark, I believe we have officially done it. What? The finger, the mini finger foam finger. No way, no way. That's impossible. I don't see it on the site. I, I need to officially approve it and write the description, but it will be on the site. Okay. I need All to do right. that this week. Oh, and you can no longer apparently get the Infinity Fingers bundle. It's sold out. Yeah, so I'm going to try and have that fixed too, but we'll, we'll get on those things. Um, if you want to join the Discord, go to uh, the Distractigo Discord. I don't. There's a link on the subreddit, which go to the subreddit if you have jacuzzes you want to say, whether it's about Mark's deep voice or something else. Usually uh-huh. they're for me, but um, you, you can jacuzze what you want. You could, Yeah, you could jacuzze whatever you need to jacuzze. Get it off your chest. It's like the jacuzze confessional. Vent your frustrations, but generally in a respectful manner. Don't just be like, you're ugly. That, that's just, we'll probably delete that just because it's, we know. We know how ugly we are. But uh, we'll see you in the next episode. Hmm? Bye.